and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Harry Finlay. Harry, thanks for coming back on the show. The Business of Betting podcast is proudly brought to you by the Betfair Hub from Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you want expert articles from pro punters, from building automated models to betting psychology, check out the Betfair Hub. Betfair.com.au slash hub. Gamble responsibly. joined by Harry Finlay. Harry, thanks for coming back on the show. Brilliant. Good evening, Jake. So Harry, like many, uh, reading the news in this industry, there's plenty going on, but one thing that certainly caught my eye was what's happening in your neck of the woods with the dogs and the the tote and and takeout changes and some exciting developments there. It's obviously uh, pretty you know, great for, for the industry people to see and the punters to see some, some evolution in, in the betting product and I definitely want to pick your brain on that and get your thoughts just given where you sit, you know, siding with the punters and, and having your finger on the pulse, everything dogs and, and punting. But just before we get into that, tell me about what life for, for Harry's been like through 2020 especially and, and how it's impacted you. Oh, well, it's... Um, to me, I, I, was, I think I was very lucky, really, uh, Jake. Obviously, you're talking about COVID and how, how that's affected the punters. We, we had during the first lockdown... Literally no no dog racing and no horse racing, and that was uh, that that pretty much come out of the blue, really, as, as we know. And I was quite lucky because I went to Australia. I was in Australia early that year. I went over to watch the Roosters. I was at the back end of the year, so I'd actually just come back from Australia, and I was still watching a few do- a bit of the Australian dogs in the morning before COVID. So once COVID actually started, um, I took that a lot more serious and was 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 spending sort of four or five hours a day at least. Uh, doing the Aussie dogs and that was great for the sanity because obviously without the sport and but I remember the Belarusian football they were the only football that was taking place was the Belarusian football and I, I quite enjoyed watching those games and finding out about those those teams and, and, and that was the only football that was on for a while and um, the trotting there was some there was some trotting and the ATG who we'll probably talk about later on with regards to the tote but they um, they've got a great website that shows all the trotting live and of course, ordinarily you wouldn't get the chance to be bothered with that. But uh, my great pal Glenn's got a few backgammon mate, uh, backgammon playing friends that uh, do the trots in Sweden, and we were getting the uh, leftovers of their card and playing on playing on Betfair. And uh, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Those two or three months with the, with the trots, I've always believed that a skinny trot is always better than a perhaps a, a regular uh, thoroughbred horse or a greyhound to bet, bet on the short prices if you know everything, everything's right. So. Now, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, of course, the racing come back in July. And uh, to be fair, I think that the the horse racing and the dog racing has been the sport that's been least, effect- least affected by COVID, certainly from a punting point of view. And um, more or less, Glenn's been, since racing returned, Glenn does the horses and I do the dogs more than more, more than the sport at the moment. And I think, that's, uh, I think that's been the right way to go. I think a lot of the punters on the... NFL and the um, AFL, where the rugby, the rugby league, the national Australian rugby league, that's been so good to me for three or four years. I gave it up very early this year. Um, I think I was quite lucky because there was a big dispute in Australia with the Betfair, and there was no um, no Betfair on the Aussie, Aussie rugby league. And I think that I think I got a lucky break there because I think most of the pros got wiped out and jacked it in before halfway through the season, and 
it's, it's not hard to understand why. Yeah, that's right. So tell me, have you had any observations on the markets and betting and punting in this strange 12 to 18 months where you know people haven't traveled like normal, you can't just stay in a hotel like normal, there's no fans, there's no crowd at, at soccer games and people talk about home field advantage and things like that. Has it made punting more exciting, a little bit different? Because besides equine influenza in Australia, you know, back in, I think it was 07 or whatever it was, there hasn't really been anything to throw a spanner in the works of, of punting like this that I can remember. I'm sure there's been nothing like it. I mean, a lot of the pros, the NFL guys especially, I mean, um, I, I just think so many of, of, of that, it's just, it's just so hard to work it out. I think a great problem is, you know, I, I'm... I hate to say it sounding like, but I think the cowardice uh, factor with COVID has been incredible. And you might have two teams turning up for a football match where one team's got massive camaraderie, they're in a bubble and they're all playing cards and having a laugh or whatever, or a great time and not bothered about it. And the other team, there might be six, seven players that are completely shitting themselves and don't want to be playing. And, and who knows? And um, there's so many other factors involved, whereas horse racing... Um, and, and you know, and, and greyhound racing, it, 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 certainly as far as betting is concerned, it makes no difference. If anything, with the horses, if you've got a, a skinny one who doesn't like going to post or the atmosphere, there was a, there was a, a, a horse batash that I remember running Royal Ascot this year, and one of its one of its big faults or problems was it we got a bit high up on the big day, and he was effectively the same price to win at Ascot and Goodwood or whatever it was as he was ordinarily, and that's the only one of the only advantages I can think of in the last year where COVID has given a, a sporting hot pot a real genuine advantage but um, no I bet mostly in running in sport and or in football so I I see what I'm going on but I even think Jake even in the football I was talking to Glenn the other night and so many teams that are on top I mean I know ordinarily not the teams that are on top don't necessarily win but even more than ever uh, you know I've I'm playing smaller than ever on the football at the moment it's fascinating because the Aussie Open, as you know, is going on now and just seeing the reaction of some of those players to try to get to Australia, quarantine, then get out on court and limited fans, limited interaction, engagement. It, it strikes me as difficult for some of the top Apple, top echelon guys. However, watching the golf, you know, like the last 12 months I have, you see DJ winning, you see Brooks winning last week, you see all these top tier guys coming out and performing as well. So it's hard. I think it's good for the, you know, certainly the sole proprietor, individual punter who follows this stuff closely. They might be able to find an edge in this, some of the some of the stuff. But I think it's probably easier on the dogs and horses that don't necessarily um, have emotion uh, like us humans do, or, or think about it too much and just get out there and do it. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest the biggest worry for punters, literally dog punters with COVID, is putting them in the traps because of it. <clears throat> When COVID was at its worst, you literally had the dogs going in the traps a bit slower, and some of the guys are moaning about the dogs been in the traps too long. But in the in the current situation of things, uh, I, I, I think you have to you give best to that. But now, overall, it's um, it's been it's been a, a tough time for the punters. I, I'd have thought. How about life generally? I know it's hard to sort of distinguish between gambling and punting and sports and racing and and life sometimes for for those who are in amongst it all the time, but. Have you sort of changed your worldview? I know you've traveled a lot. You've been to a lot of different sporting events, a lot of countries, a lot of experiences. Has that impacted you as well? Well, I mean, massively. I mean, I'm just so glad I'm skinned, <laughs> especially after the Super Bowl final. But no, I'm just, I, I just can't explain how much uh, comfort I've taken out of gambling because 
I mean, we're in there, everyone's in lockdown. I'm so lucky that for, for a gambler, I've got the greatest wife in the world. The only woman in the history of the world who's 50 years of age and has never once said, why did you do that to a gambler? So, I mean, <laughs> I've got a massive advantage over other gamblers in that respect. And we, we live in a nice place out in the country and my wife's a bit of a recluse anyway. So apart from the restaurants, it, it, it hasn't really been a, a massive um, setback for us. So I consider myself to be very lucky. And, um, you know, with, uh, if I had like, if I was absolutely caked up and retired and wasn't trying to back winners and really concentrating and loving the sport, I, I, I don't know what I'd do. To be loaded and not be able to get on a plane and go to Australia and do what you want to do, uh, especially this time of year, I, I think I'd have found it uh, all, all so much more stressful. But when you wake up and all you're worried about is the first favourite at Wentworth or who's batting first on the, on the big bash match, you, you, you're all right. And... Um, Fortunately, the horses and the dogs go on. And look at all the sport. We've had everything. We've had Super Bowls. We've had the golf, the tennis. I mean, they played the French Open in the middle of November or something like that. So I think I think, I think think what COVID has done, to be honest with you, Jake, over the last year or whatever, is shown to me, Harry, all your philosophies in life, the way you've lived your life, spot on, mate. It's the only way to go. And uh, live for the moment. Live for the now. When you've got a few quid, spend it. When you're in form, spin it up because you never know what's going to happen. And imagine I'm 59 years of age and live the way I have, laugh the way I have. And still every bet, if I have a monkey on a football team tonight, I'm funking my head off. And if I was loaded now and and and, and imagine if you worked all your life, working 40 hours a week, saving your money up, paying your stamps. My mum used to say to me, have you paid? Well, I'm sitting on 16, have you paid your stamps? And I said, my stamp, mum, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm stamp. And she was genuinely worried, worried when I was 16 about me getting some kind of revenue back when I was 65. And I thought it was hilarious. And imagine if I'd have saved that money up. Imagine if I'd have been the straight goer that's putting money all away so you can do it all when you're 60. I'd be retiring this year. I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to get on a plane. I wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, you know, I, without being rude, I get to train to London all the time, but I can't have my mask on for more than 10 minutes. I can't be masked up and all that. You can't. It's madness. And I, I wouldn't be able to survive. I wouldn't be able to do anything if I had money. And I, I don't know what I'd do. So I'm quite happy sat in my own, watching my sport. And then when it when it all turns, I'll be going, I'll be going to South America again, like I did when I was younger. I didn't spend enough time there because because of COVID. I watched a lot of Peruvian football and and uh, Argentinian football. And I'd love to go and watch watch more football down there and take K. And that's that's one of my plans when when we do get going again is to to do a bit more travelling down in South America. Although I did, I'll tell you what I did do, which was a masterstroke. I went, my old pal of mine from the school days is a, is a cycling fan. And he he's, every time he texts me, he says to me, oh, we've got to go and watch, to, you know, we'll go, every time he texts me a tip in the Tour de France, I said, oh, we'll go and watch it. And he always says, oh, I'm working, I'm busy. So this year he texts back and goes, all right, we'll go and watch it. And we had five, six days down following the Tour de France. First time I've done it properly. Oh, I absolutely loved it. Oh, the, 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 oh, the whole atmosphere where we stayed, the whole... I mean, to do that during COVID this year, that was the that was the greatest thing I'd done this year, going to, getting on the train and going down and having five days right down the south of France or southwest of France, down east of France, uh, and ended up in Po, followed it for a few days. Oh, it just makes you realise how, how great sport is. The Tour de France was... We bet the loser. I was on the loser. Uh, but... Um, no, uh, it was it was fantastic, and that was the you talk about traveling philosophy. That there you go to show a quick trip to the the Tour de France this year was without doubt the highlight of the year. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And oh god, next we're going next year. We got we got the trip with this year. We got it all sorted out. There was only me and little Matthew went this year, um, a cycling man. But already already this year coming up, it's already gone past. I said that's the greatest thing about this year's Tour de France, Matt. We've only got to wait eight months till the next one. So <laughs> we we know a few of the restaurants we need to go to, and we've got it. We got it. There'll be more than two of us going this year. <laughs> and hopefully back the winner make it even better. But yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll be on the. With the, the last, we bet the runner-up this year, the, the jolly, and the way that young kid found him out in the time trial, my um, my cycling man's already declared him again for next. We, he's back. We're back to him at three to one for next year to win it again. The new superstar from Serbia. Yeah, so uh, no, I, it's the restaurant. It's the restaurant. He'll, he'll be studying the form. I'll be studying the restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> so what, we spoke in 2017, if you can believe it, and. Oh. Hearing you speak now, I remember one of the questions I got. I got a bunch of emails come through and, and Twitter, uh, Twitter DMs and that from people who listened. And and one of the one of the overarching themes that came out of it was just how how different your periods of time seemed to be. Obviously, reading the book you did with Neil and then talking with you about it, you might have had you lost two or three hundred quid on something, or you might have had you know ten thousand on something as well at the Asian handicaps and, and a, a disparate amount of betting across different sports and, and staking. So tell me about, over the years, how your mindset has been able to cope with, um, you know, your last 500 quid versus 10, 15, 20,000, I'm guessing, on some of these soccer events around the world. It's it's a fascinating sort of study on how someone can travel that roller coaster. From your point of view, how has that been and, and what have you done throughout that period of time to cope with it all? It's just one word, simple word, relative, everything. All punting is relative, all staking is relative, and it's proportionate to your stake. I mean, don't get me wrong, in the olden days, I mean, I watch, um, I mean, I remember at the Ajax game where I had the whole £47,000 in the world, 44 grand in the world on Ajax at two on, um, and, and there's no trading in running there. I was behind the goal, and life or death, um, Phil Taylor the same. Many bets like that in the old days that you just don't simply have anymore because you can trade out of them. So therefore, now apart from that new rule that you can obviously have more on with the with the option of bailing out a little bit, your staking is basically relative to what you've got. And um, for example, when I mean, I, well, there was one stage where I was playing really too big, and as Lizard said, I was playing too big. Uh, but it's all proportionate to, to, to your staking, and you, you, you're not going if you're not you're not going to win at all if you're not staking really really well. So for the last four years, I've it, 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 through good and bad, the last four years, which have been really tough for me, where I've got to pull up three or four grand every month, I've, I've been betting more or less the same stake all the time. But my great pal, Glenny Does the Horses, is a very strict staking punter who has the right philosophy. When you're in form, have a little bit more on. When you're out of form, have a little bit less on. He prefers the bigger prizes to me. And there's gradually less and less value in the skinny ones over the years. So I've come gradually more to his way of thinking. But whatever your stake is, whatever, you, whatever your tank is, you stake proportionate to that. But you, you've got to be fairly brave, obviously, but it's all proportion, percentage proportionate to how much you've actually got in the pot. And now, I mean, for the last three or four years, I've been betting where a, a solid, real solid, decent bet on a horse would be a grand, two or three grand would be more or less a, a, as strong as it gets. And when you're having five or six grams on now, it'd have to be an absolute steering job or something like that. And those stakes are great for me because... If you want to have one or 200 on a five to two chances, there's no problem with that. You've got to have a high strike rate to win when you're not playing too big. And you've still got to have the, the now the, to have it on one when you when, when something's really wrong. Um, and that's basically it. Um, it's all relative to what your staking is. But as long as it's not too small, you know, don't 
you know, you don't need to be betting, betting massive to win big. It's so obvious that the smaller you play, the easier it is to win. So, I mean, there's nothing I hate more than those commentators who say, Royal Ascot, this is, there's a four to five chance or a four to six chance. Only if, it's only good if you want to have a 30,000 to 20 or a 6,000 to four. <laughs> Yeah. When you there's nothing wrong with a thirty pound to twenty. There's nothing wrong with a six pound to four, because that's what I'd be having if I only had the six quid and I fancied it. And 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 you know there's a lot of people out there, you know, giving wrong information, but about gambling. But at the end of the day, your staking is just all relative to what your tank is and, and how strong you fancy something, and your ability to price something up. That's basically it. So let's talk about the dogs now. And one of the most startling things sort of I found, and I've obviously seen, you know, the UK Toad and, and Jamie Hart and, and the team over there doing some interesting things over the years. And the latest announcement coming through on the dogs was just the, the trend line of gambling seems to have gone from 110, 115, 120%. And I saw on the dogs, it can get up to 130% in, in some of those markets to a... Oh. 5% takeout or a 10% takeout program from the UK tote. Just tell me your initial reactions. Obviously, you've been in and around these discussions for a long time and back to Coventry and a few other things you've been doing over the years. But when you found out it was happening and it's going ahead and this is real, what were your initial reactions? Well, my, my initial reaction was it, it couldn't happen uh, I, I, because I understand how the tote works and I understand about how there's rebate in the system and how everyone wants to have a little bit of the pot and everything. And to be honest, I, I, I dismissed it initially uh, without realising, of course, that the tote, the new tote have just been taken over. They only um, bought out the old tote maybe end of last, I think it was October last year. And um, I, I had no idea that they'd initially that they'd cut back on the sharks and make was obviously when they took over, uh, it was a house of glass where certain rebaters were getting massive high teens, rebates against other guys who were getting less and the ordinary guy in the street just had no chance i mean i haven't played the scoops i've played the scoop six i think once in three years i think i was playing the jackpot maybe two two three times a year top whack and when i was when i was playing the jackpot i was playing so small because the other guys were playing so the, the rebaters are overstaking <clears throat> knowing if they don't knowing if they don't win it no one else is going to win it so i realized there was just you know, there was no value in it. So, first of all, when I realised that they'd made it more of a level playing field, I found that interesting. But how can you get something down to 5% and 10%? Well, of course, the total are very clever or lucky or both in this in this regard because um, they've got the new website. Not only have they bought the new total, but they've, bought it, they've taken over the new total at the right time. When internet betting's on the way up, when COVID's come in, <clears throat> actually works in their favour because... No one can bet on course. They've got their own markets and everything's everything's ticking over, but they haven't got a low margin product, a sport that they can really use for that low margin. And they've literally, in my opinion, they've hijacked greyhound racing because they've they've scraped it off the floor when ordinary bookies have taken the percentages up to thirty on on this industry SP. And some of the tracks, total toe tracks on on course now are taking thirty three percent. So I mean, you've, you're effectively looking at a worthless model. And they've come in with these really low margins purely because they've got their own website and they can do it. So not only is it great news for the punters that it's 5% markets on all their races, 10% maximum on every greyhound race they cover. It's not just that, but they're guaranteed to be rebate free. That is, that is what it's not just that it's just not, 
It's not just the low margins, it's rebate free. So in actual fact, people like you and myself and I remember Dave Bernson in America and other guys, we used to dream about uh, 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 what you call a pure toe, an actual pure toe where everyone's getting exactly the same. And this is going to be the absolute unique product that Grand Race is going to now have with a toe in the UK. And they're starting with Toaster, which is a derby track. They've pulled up the money for four Cat 1 competitions. So literally from the start of the derby until the end of the year, there's going to be top-class racing every Saturday night. And I'll be very, very, very surprised if at the end of this year, Toaster is the only track that the Toe are working with. And I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't take 10 to 1 about that. And I'm sure that I think anything can happen. I think it will happen quickly. As soon as they... I'm sure it's going to take them a bit of time to get. I hope they're trying to. I believe they're trying to get everything in place so they'll have it on the first night of the the derby in early June. But even if it's not to the later stages of the derby, once it starts up, it'll only go one way. When you consider that greyhound punters can't even get on trifectas anywhere, the only place anyone can bet on the dogs is on Betfair, and the the quiddity on the forecast in Betfair is almost zero. So really. Two of the favourite bets that punters can have on dogs, forecast and tricast, they can't go on anywhere. And suddenly, and if they do, they've got to pay 35% for the for the experience. And now suddenly, you're going to be betting the 5% on the biggest race. In no, I think it's marvellous. I think it's great. And um, I think it's happened at a perfect time when Grand Race has just been just stopped in, in Florida and America. There's two tracks left in America, but they won't last very long. Uh but in England, the total, the total revolutionised the, the, the betting side of the sport. And also, very interestingly, I've, something I've been saying for years that I've just, it's just starting to come in now. There's a lot of new young people in grand racing that have realised what I said 10 years ago. We need to tell people about the respect the dogs have in Ireland and in England. And I believe there's a big film coming out this week, a seven-part series, where we're going to just find out exactly what it's like. And we can change this habit of calling them rescue dogs instead of retired dogs. They're retired greyhounds. They're not rescue greyhounds. Greyhounds, greyhound trainers and greyhound people love the dogs more than anything else. I mean, I've been, I only owned horses. I bought horses for my mum because she liked, because I'd give her something to do in her thing. I would never have owned a racehorse if, if I hadn't bought them for my mum because I'm not a horse man and people own horses, but they don't really know horses. When people race greyhounds, they race them and they, when they finish their career, they bring them back and they stay on their sofa. And they're their best friends, nine times out of ten. And I think not only are we going to have the tote with these low 5% margins, I think that because of what's happened in America and because of what nearly happened in New South Wales and Australia, I think Greyhound Racing, with this, this tote deal will give Greyhound Racing a, a, a platform and a chance to do other things better. And the impression I get is that the fight's already on, uh, underway to try and improve the overall, uh, because there's nothing better to watch than ground racing, nothing more exciting, nothing better to bet on. And they're, and they're fantastic animals, great pets. And I think that, I think for so many reasons, the fact that people can once again go to the dogs and win makes, makes gives the whole sport a real exciting breath of fresh air. And um, I'm really looking forward to what, what's going to happen in the next few months. So, a lot of punters listening to this will be interested in your thoughts on what this is going to look like in a year from now, two, three, four years from now, if things go positively and the the momentum, you know, carries this forward. So tell me if if I'm a, a interested punter and I'm listening to this, 
Am I going to have my Betfair account open and a Toad account and other accounts, or what's my engagement going to look like on Greyhound punting in your in your sort of viewpoint when it comes to a, a bullish case or a positive outlook for for what we're talking about now? Well, I think that um, I, I, I think the Toad is sponsoring four big races at the end of the year. There'll be big. I think by I think by the Saturday night of the the marathon, they're going to sponsor a marathon competition, I believe, which will probably take place in September or October. And if I was betting, I'm purely guessing here. I I've no no. If I was betting, I'd, if I was betting right now, I'd be I'd definitely take even money that by that time the total run the the total UK as they are with ten percent five percent. I I would definitely take odd shade of odds on that by that time that they're doing at least three tracks in the UK or Ireland, and I believe that all greyhound punters will have two accounts, um, Toe and Betfair, which are almost identical in terms of uh, value on the math. And I think, which this may surprise many people, but I think that the greyhound, other bookmakers, I think uh, the Bet365, the Hills, the Labrooks, I think they'll be, they will be more than grateful for the deal as well. Because I don't really think they appreciate how badly they've sold the sport down the river in the last 40 years. And I think that by that date in September, I would also bet, I wouldn't just bet a shade of odds on, I'd bet five on that by that competition in October, um, there's no industry SP of 30% anymore on ground race. And that industry SP will be down to 20, or around the 20 mark. The whole industry will have more respect as a betting product. The whole industry will have more integrity because the totes prices will be strong and they'll be clever and there'll be the people who will be trading and it will be so exciting for the sport. And I think that I think that um, that um, that's what that's what will happen. I think there will be two. I think there'll be two major options for greyhound punters. But I think that the, the, the old-fashioned option of the bookmaker will be improved. For example, um, if they get if they get up and running the tote by the time of the derby that. The bookmaker who sponsored the Derby, Ben Keith, has, has kept the race alive really in the last few years, and he might he might be thinking, oh, this new toe, whatever. I'm an on-course bookmaker there, but I'd bet right now, big odds on again that by the time the Derby comes around and by the time it's in full swing, if the toe are involved, which they will be, um, that Ben Keith and the and, and the on-course bookmakers will absolutely love it as well. I think the atmosphere at Toaster. I'm afraid I haven't been there for a Derby before. They had it for a couple of years. Uh, when I was still getting over the Coventry um, Coventry adventure, and um, I, I, I believe that, um, that, that this the whole the whole one of the most exciting things about this massive deduction is that people will win, and people need to win. And the fact of the matter is, if you took a hundred people ground racing for the first time, and they're all betting a five or a ten or a race, out of that hundred people, only four or five people are going to show a profit. Now, if you go and have a 5 and 10% tote and do the same thing, you're going to have 35% people showing a profit. And the only way you're going to get ground people to come back again and go ground racing again is by them winning. It's, it's, there's, there's, no other, there's no other way of making yourself odds on to go ground racing again than winning a few quid. And, um, you know, my whole life, my whole book, my whole life story amplifies that fact. I mean, I went to White City, my mum lent me two quid and I'd done my first knicker and I turned it into 17. I remember the race, Lordsbury Pride, like it was yesterday. And, um, you know, who knows to know if Lordsbury I was so involved and so loved with Grand Racing that even if I'd lost, I, I would have gone back. But other other people would be different. And some people, losing money is too much. Losing money is too big a, too big a pain to, to, to even, even think about going back again. 
And that's what the sport doesn't realise. The sport had it too easy. The sport had it too easy in the 40s, Jake, because in the 40s, they done what we're what the Toe are doing now. They're going down to 5%. They used to bet 6%, 1% a runner. All the tracks, all the tracks in America, all the tracks in England, they were five, they were 1% a runner. Perfect. If you ask any young whiz kid now, you ask any young whiz kid out of university with a math degree, understands code and all that. So this is the product, six or eight dog racing. What should the percentage tote takeout be? Everyone will come back around five, six percent. Everyone. But what do the what do the grand promoters do? What do the bookmakers do? They go 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, take it up to 30. Take it up to 33 now. Floyd Amphlet tells me the dog tracks are 33 now. When I went to Spain, I went to the dog racing in Barcelona in 1978 when I was 16. And it, oh, it, it blew my head off. And within two years, I had an interpreter speaking Catalan. They were 43% takeout. 43% more. 43, 43 on the tripletter and more. The tripletter was for tricast bet. Six runners around 300 metres. But the rest of it was almost 50%. And they thought they were going to survive doing that. And I'm sat there in the Meridiana dog track saying, look, you cannot survive. I'll take them outside on the terraces and say, look, everyone is betting illegally. The illegal markets at the Spanish dog tracks in the 80s was sensational. That's where I cut my cloth. Whenever I had a few quid, I'd go to Barcelona. I had pals there, loved it. And we, the, the, the market was so clever that we used to, everyone, you'd auction who you'd have first and second, and everyone would want the same dogs. So you'd end up auctioning who'd finish third. This was, you know, this is how this is how clever greyhound gamblers are the most underestimated people in the market in, in the gambling market, in the grand market. They're known as losers, they're known as compulsives. Crock of shit. We'll give them a good market, they're the shrewdest people in the world. I had a mark, I had a mark card. I, I heard rumours that the, the tote were gonna do this last year. And I was all ready for last year's derby. I had four tissues, just like at Coventry, I had seven. And I, when I heard the tote weren't doing it, I thought, oh well. Don't worry, I've done the work. I've got the four tissues. I'll get the lot on Betfair because all the firms are these prices and I know they're miles out. How much am I going to get tonight? I had a big briefcase here ready to click the money. I didn't need no briefcase. I've got buttons because other people know. Graham punters are super shrewd. Who'll lead, who'll finish. You know, the old Hackney Wick in the 70s and 80s. The 80s, the Hackney Wick. People still talk about it now. But I was there. I was a young kid. I was a young kid everyone wanted to hate. You know what I mean? I just deliberately wind people up. And um, <laughs> and that's the way it was. But I clearly remember, I clearly remember going to Hackney Wick and betting, betting dogs in AA and seeing them get beaten, betting them at five to two and three to one next time out in the betting shots for no commentary. And I knew I made them 11 to 10 and evens. And that, that can never happen again. That can never happen again. But we don't need it to, because greyhound racing with a real clever, Betfair are taking 100 grand a race. Friday, Saturday nights, the open races, and Graham's, the bookmakers don't just rip them off with their percentages. They rip them off with low-class racing, letting you, letting you think it's all the same. But it's not all the same. People like superstars. Same as the people like superstars. What was everyone talking about now? Shiskin, Envoy Allen, Monkfish. They, people talk about the super... People love watching superstars. I used to run, a, run, run parallel with, between the hurdles watching Easter Brack and people like that. You know, and... It doesn't matter who owns them. It's about betting them. I got as much excitement when Easterbrack. I got probably more excitement out of Easterbrack when I had all my money in the world on it, jumping the last one, my legs shaking, than when Demon won the Gold Cup. 
Because when you're a gambler, when you're a punter, it's better than being an owner. You you own it. If you're an anti-post bet on anything, you become a part of the team. You become a you become one of the what you know. And some of us never had the talent to be a footballer or be anything like that. Uh, and being a punter is, is 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 the next best thing. And 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 greyhound racing has now got a chance because punters have got a chance and people will start winning again. And the sport, purely because of this deal, there'll be off there'll be offshoots and it will it will start bringing the bringing the bringing respect back to the sport. Well, I think that's the exciting part. A lot of the things you talked about, there's plenty of intersection and, and interplay. Obviously, on the punting side, it sounds like it could be a very serious option for people who may have in the past dabbled in greyhounds or, or want to do greyhounds or even you know doing sports and horses and uh, want to you, switch over and spend some time you, on that, which is which is great. You, you've hit the nail on the head again there because the fact is, I, I think one of the reasons why it is so exciting, as you've said, is because there is that cross-fertilisation. There is so many horse people out there that love the dogs. There are, we, I, I mean, Henry Cecil. The, I mean, he, 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 where did he... I talked about the Barcelona tracks teaching me about gambling. Where do you think he was taught to train racehorses? Barry St. Edmund's dogs. The legends. They're all dog men. They're all, all the top men now. I mean, my, my old mentor, Don Cully, who died, he taught Mick O'Toole. Mick O'Toole taught the Cornwall mob. Mick O'Toole was the widest old fox in the world. When my pal Don Cully taught Mick O'Toole. Stories about Swansea dogs when they were taking flaps and everything. And, you know, so, you know, the dogs, the dogs, dogs and horses are entwined all over Ireland, especially Ireland. I remember first going to Ireland when I was 18 years of age. It changed my whole life. I remember my first night in Tralee, the early Desmond Hotel. And I remember the, the next morning just getting up and seeing loads of ordinary people walking grounds. And, to, you know, it, it, it was the biggest eye-opener of my life. And, and I just think that, you know, that we've got coursing stopped this year in Ireland because of the COVID. And I know they've got a big fight to save coursing. And, 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 and I'll be trying to help them do all I can because we need that coursing blood in Australia. We need it in, we need it in England because it's, it's the best. I've watched Australian greyhound racing more than anybody else on earth in the last 15 months, fact. And I've got so much respect for their dogs. I've got so much respect the way they run their dogs. But when it comes to over 650 metres, it's now illegal because of the antis to race over 750 metres in Sydney or in Australia. And that's a good excuse because they couldn't have marathons anyway because 90% of them stayers are all a bit poncy and they've all done enough after 600 metres. The top Australian dogs, when they first go over six pens, they look like rockets. And then all of a sudden, within two or three races, they're half chucking it in. And that's because they haven't got that brilliant, strong Irish course in blood. And this is this is another reason why we must all stand up for ground racing in Ireland, stand up for coursing and do what we can to... to, to these, these new videos are bringing out, showing people what ground racing life is like. Very, very important. And... Um, and, and that's what that's that's what I think. I think that the, going back to what you were saying about crossfoot about the horses, there's so many. I, I can't. If you went to Ireland and got the top hundred people, eighty five percent of them will be involved in dogs with some way. They'll be they'll be they'll have some connection with dogs. And in horses, in, in England, it's in England it's nearly the same. If you see how many flapping tracks there were and the two sports, and over the years, over the years, Jake. One thing that's been, where we, all, dogs have always done plenty for horse racing. There's always been injured jockey nights at Crayford and Bruff's got to turn up and all the dog punters would buy all the horse pictures and 
Wolfenstow would be the same. Every dog track would support the injured jockeys and support horse racing. But you know what? In my lifetime, never once can I remember the horses doing something for the dogs. Never once. And this is another reason why this deal is so exciting. Because this deal will do what you've just said. It will bring in the horse punters. It will bring so many hundreds and thousands of dog punters back to greyhound racing. Because not only are the toads supporting it and backing it, but they're giving people a chance to win. And that combination will do exactly what you said. It will bring punters back that have given up on greyhound racing and they still love it. My old mate's Johnny Lights, bless him. He's in a wheelchair now. I haven't spoken to him for years. But I'll guarantee you one thing. When that greyhound derby comes up, he'll be sticking his monkey in with a toe and he'll be playing and watching them. And if he's got my number, he'll be ringing me up for the card. And that's 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 what I hope will happen. That's it. That's what I, I fully expect by the quarterfinals of the derby this year, everybody to be talking about. Everybody. Because football ain't the same. Football's not the same. Betting on bar. They're all telling me two years ago in Australia that basketball was the only improving take. In terms of take, take on the Australian betting, basketball was the only thing that was better than the dogs. And that was because it was in the morning and it was on the way up. Well, have a look now. Basketball, 35 pence. Dog racing, about 17 million. I think there's five races for a million dollars now in America, in Australia. Five races. And... Um, you know, I, I, I see it going. Well, I think we're racing for seventy quid and forty quid in England, but that that will change, I think. And I think this deal, this will be this deal will be the reason why. Well, engagement overall, not just punting, but obviously gambling is an enormous part of it, which often doesn't get the credit it deserves. But I think overall engagement, owners, trainers, people going to the track, bookies, punters, everyone together. I think these are the types of exciting opportunities that may exist for a, for a, a spectator sport like greyhound. You know, anyone who's been to a track, the, the excitement of a a greyhound race uh it's very much undeniable and i think that's where to another point which is obviously a hot topic in the uk which i don't think we need to talk about now but just the the responsible gambling aspect if you have five punters out of 100 who can win um versus 40 40 punters out of 100 you know the last thing we need is a 10 dollar bet turning into you know seven dollars theoretically rather than 950 which would be far better obviously for from that point of view and one thing i did want to ask about i'm sure there's plenty of skeptics out there listening who'll say well Rebates will come back, you know, 105% or 110% will be 115% soon. What's your take on that? Do you think this is a a, a solid structure that, that can stand the test of time? Or do you think there's a, a creeping well, effect of those things? There's absolutely no chance that they will ever take more than 10% out of the grey ample. Because I, 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 that is, I, have, I, I have no privy information on what their plans are or what they're going to do exactly. But that before... There was no way I would be jumping on a high horse and singing the praises of this deal unless I had the confirmation of one thing, that the takeout will not go over 10%. And that's the only thing I had to find out, and I found out. And that is the fact. Because if, if there was a chance it would go up to 12, 13, or 14, we'd just go back to where we were. And I'd be, I've, I've never put my name to anything. I was penniless. I had people ringing up. I had people offering me 10 grand free bets, tipping lines. You don't even want to know what I've been offered for tipping lines and stuff like that, even when I couldn't even feed feed, feed us half the time. But I wouldn't do it. I never sold my soul or put my name to anybody. And I wouldn't speak up for these guys until I had it confirmed that the plan unequivocally is to always keep grand racing at 10% max takeout. Because that is because there's nothing worse. You imagine it taking off for eight or nine months and then suddenly it goes back up. It's all worthless. 
It's all a scam. And I do think that Tote will benefit a lot from this in terms of new customers. I think they'll have so many new customers with the new Gambling Commission rules, they won't be able to cope with it. But that's a nice problem to have. That's a nice problem to have. But um, I wouldn't be... I would, I, I, it's only the fact that you know it's never going to go up that means that this really, 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 really can work. In fact, you know, it could go down. That 10% could, if anything, go down from what I'm hearing. But it's certainly no chance of going up. So therefore, all you can do is build. All you can do is build. If you've got your cheesecake base and you, and you start doing well, all it can do is get better. And um, and know that so that you're, you're, you're right to pick up on that point. And that's the one thing I can say with without any doubt that that, that and, and total surety that it's not it's not a gimmick. It is it is what what's how it's going to be. Jamie Hart, I'm told, has been after this product for a long, long time and firmly believe this is the one chance. And I believe you've said it yourself with that cross fertilization with the horses. What's the point of starting a five percent pool on basketball? What horse punters in Ireland or UK are going to open a total account and bet on basketball or bet on anything else for 5%? But greyhound racing, second biggest spectator sport in three continents for 50 years. So you're talking about, you know, you're talking about, you've you got a chance. that they got a real a real solid chance. And, yeah, um, and I think that's that's one of the things that, you know, the longevity of this, you don't want a punter investing for six or eight months at five, 10% pools and, and putting their hard earned on the line and then things change. I think that's, one thing that will attract uh, people, it'll attract punters, of course, but I think it'll attract other people and it'll continue to grow and build. And I think that's the important thing. You've, you've, you've touched on the Scoop 6 before and, and the jackpot type bets and the world pool days and all these other ancillary things that can go with the core 5 or 10% product oh, is, is part of the exciting aspect of this. Oh, it's already changed. I mean, I've been playing, you can play the jackpots for pennies now. So... And with 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 the uh, with the, with the syndicates overstaking when there is small rollovers, there's plenty of value to be had for pundits. Plenty of value. Um, and I mean, I, as I said in this interview, an hour, half an hour ago or whatever, that I probably played two or three times a year on the jackpot. Well, now I play maybe two 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 and a half times a week, maybe um, with the little tiny rollovers. They generously put up ten grand every day. And if you can play for pennies and the syndicates are overstaking, there is value there for the very small players. But gradually, as the as the markets get stronger and stronger, the, the the other guys play less and less, and more stronger money comes in, and it becomes a very very a uh, different thing altogether. It's exciting. So for those that you know, might have heard this for the first time, um, they can go and read the articles. They can obviously listen to this and get some more information. But twelve months from now, what excites you the most about this opportunity? This uh, this product, because obviously, you know, racing around the world is, is dipping or declining generally, I would say, across certainly greyhounds, trotting, you know, even thoroughbreds. I'm here in the US and I see it firsthand. It's not that uh, invigorating these days, let's say, across the board. But what can this do potentially for those that do obviously love gambling and probably enjoy a punt uh, as well as the sport itself? Well, we, we, you see, the thing is with the dogs, I love the dogs. It's a passion of mine. But really, I honestly believe, Jake, that this can save horse racing. In my heart of hearts, this is, I mean, you're talking now stuff I wouldn't have planned to say, but in my heart of hearts, I believe, and I've told this to the top racing people in Ireland, I've spoken to the number one man over there, and I've told him, and I believed it then, this is before Coventry, and I believe it now. In Ireland, the way racing is, the way the betting is in Ireland at the moment, especially Ireland, but England to a lesser degree, I have no doubt 
that in, if in 10 years' time, the horse and jockey pub, the, the Irish pubs, the greatest places in the world. For anyone in America or Australia, sports fans, you love sport. I love Australia because everyone loves sport and everyone talks about sport. And no, and I love Australia more than anything. But Ireland, when you walk in a pub, the race is always on. It's always sport. It's always course. It's always rugby. It's always, it's just, it's just fantastic. Their pubs, like the pub I just mentioned, the Horse and Jockey in Thurlis, one of the most famous pubs in the world. But the problem is, there's a Paddy Power right next door. Now we've got the Paddy Power ex-CEO saying how guilty he feels about compulsive gamblers. Stuart Kenny, what a hypocrite. What an absolute disgrace. But the bottom line is, I know that in 10 years' time, if that Paddy Power's not shut, and inside the, inside, inside the, the horse and jockey in Thurley, is inside the brown cow on the way out of Dublin, inside the pub next to the rugby match at Croke Park, if they haven't got a, a toe similar to this in that pub, they're showing the racing anyway. Every pub in Ireland shows the racing at the races and our UK. So you don't even need the system. All you need is the little computer taking tote bets at 10%. Now, if that happens in Ireland in the next 10 years, racing's got a chance. Might be five years with Jamie Hart at the helm, but that's what will happen. You're, you're asking me to mark your card. I'll mark your card. In a year's time, there'll be, so, there'll be other people wanting to get in on this 5% and lower margin stuff. And then, because the, the CEO and because the top people, are, I mean, he's got on... No one can do business with Sweden. He's got ATG as a partner. Hong Kong Jockey Club. You've got to, you've got to be related to the Queen to even talk to him. You know what I mean? And he, the, he, these deals have already been done. They're within in 12 months' time, but then not only have they got together, not only have South Africa, France, Australia all got to get together, but they've got to get rid of the rebates. They've got to get rid of the rebates and the thing. They've got to clear the systems. But the, t the UK tote have already had the balls to do it. If they hadn't, they wouldn't be in this strong position now. They wouldn't be able to do this. And they will lead the way. They will say, join our club. But there's none of this. There's none of this 14% back for the big players. There's none of this 12% backs. Because all it does, it mucks up the system. And this greyhound system, pure and wonderful as it is, will show what can be done. And gradually, and I know this for a fact, when I checked on the 10%, never going higher than 10% with the dogs. There is not, not only will the dogs never go higher than 10%, Jay, and I can guarantee you that, but their only real goal with regard to Whirlpool, the Whirlpool, they're going to get a million pound race every this year without even clicking their fingers. But in 12 months' time, at the following year's Royal Ascot, they will be taking twice as much, in my opinion. And not only will they be taking twice as much, but they'll be taking half as much from the rebaters and the warmest guys in the world who have had, also had such an unfair edge for so many years. I have no doubt that if the current number one man hadn't taken over the toe and put in place what he's done, got Jamie Hart and got things up and running, that they would, it, racing, racing, as you've said in America, all over the world would be in trouble. But this is so easy to understand. There'll be people in Ireland today I tried to get involved with the Irish tote 10 years ago and was stopped. But there'll be so many horse punters, and I'll listen to this, when I talk about the horse and jockey and the 10%, and they'll just go, he's 100% right. And why can't we do it? Because, because other people have got too much power. But the fact of the matter is, in Ireland, if you don't have horse and dog racing, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. It's, 
until you've been there, unless you've been, I've lived all the best days, all the best weeks of my life were all in fields in Ireland. All of them. And if you, if they lose that, they've lost everything and they won't let it happen. When they tried to stop ground racing in New South Wales four years ago, they thought it was all over. Wentworth's going to close down, da 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 But no, because they don't realise what ground racing is. The Yankees have been told lies about it. And Grant, this is what Ireland have got to do now. And as I said half an hour ago, they're doing it with these videos, showing people about it. But the horses are involved. The horses are going the same way. And we, we, you know, the betting on horses is, is in free fall in Ireland. And, the, you know, they're... But if they had a, if they could, they will find a way, following up, following the current tote in the UK, they will find a way to have a tote betting shop um, system in their pubs. And that will transform racing in Ireland. It won't just transform it, it will bring it back to a degree you, you can't imagine. And that's what that's what I'm hoping is the bigger picture for this UK tote. And from what I'm hearing and what they're doing so far, knowing that their long-term goal is to get the margins down. I, I really believe that they will lead the way because they've got the they've got the new tote. They've got their own website. They've got the opportunity to take dogs down to five and ten percent. The TAB couldn't do it. The TAB now said we're going to do dogs at five percent. They'd be skinned in two minutes. Then no one can do it because they've all got they've all got different slices of the pie need cutting up. They've all got the rebates doing this. They've all got the deals they can't get out of. Not this tote. They'll show you, this Greyhound model will show horse racing, show other countries how it can be done. How it can be done. No Ray Winstons, bet three, six, five, first goal scorers, none of that. Low margin, sporting products, different class. Amazing, Harry. Very much appreciate your time and coming back on the podcast. Your passion is obviously undeniable and and your perspective is, is thoroughly appreciated. So... Um, let's see how it all plays out. It's going to be really exciting to watch and, and see if this disruption can, can have an impact in the short term, certainly, but, but as time goes on as well. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Dave.